Hey everybody, I'm Chris Plant. I'm Russ Frustick. And this is The Resties, a video game podcast about the finer things in life. Are, are we dead set on that uh, tagline? Absolutely not. I knew that we needed a tagline and I spent a second and a half workshopping it. Yeah. It's not good. No, it's okay. We'll, we'll get there. We'll get there eventually. What exactly are we doing here, Chris Plant? This is very weird. Okay, so we've received like a ton of feedback and requests for more besties. You know, people want longer conversations. People want more video games. They want a looser format. Um, and they want just me and you. I mean, that's it. I'm, I'm sure that's why everybody's here. They're like, I love Chris. I love Frustick. I love their wacky characters. I need more of it. So that that's kind of why we're here. The, the McElroy's people might be able to guess this, have a pretty full podcast slate. Um, so Fresh and I have found some time to create this. It's like a spinoff. Is that, is that what you call it? Kind of like Mork and Mindy? I think it, it uh, yes, I guess Mork and Mindy was also a spinoff. That's true. And, it, and a topical reference. So I appreciate that as well. Uh, yes, we are going to bring a bunch of stuff that we genuinely enjoy, but don't always have the time to talk about on the main Besties show. Um, so the games we talk about here will, at the very least, be very interesting and more often than not be games that you will go and want to play after you've heard about them. That is our hope, at least. Yeah. And the plan is to do these uh, right now, like every other week. And we'll be doing it through the end of the year because that's when all these games are coming out. And then we can kind of like figure things out from there. If people enjoy it, maybe we keep it going. Um, and any feedback and whatnot is it's greatly appreciated um, because that's kind of why we're doing this in the first place. Like I said, this is the, an idea that kind of came from y'all, and now it is a real thing. Let's do this thing. Really, really quick. Should we talk about why it's not a subscriber thing? Uh, yeah, sure. So uh, I talked a little bit about this on the main Bestie show, but basically like we thought about making this just like a subscriber only thing. We get tons of people messaging, hey, why don't you have a Patreon? Why can't we just send you money and stuff? We appreciate it. We decided that we didn't want to split up the audience. We know a lot of people out there enjoy hearing game recommendations, and we thought maybe people would also want to hear this without having to necessarily pay for it. So uh, we're doing this. Uh, we'll have ads here and there occasionally, but generally speaking, uh, it's going to be, I mean, it is literally free for everyone to listen to. So worry not, um, it'll hit the, uh, the feed. So you'll have normal besties and then you'll have resties once every two weeks. Um, and, uh, yeah, then everyone is sort of hanging out in the same pool. What a great pool it is. So here, here's why this is a great pool. There's no, um, there's no pee in this metaphorical pool, if you will, um, the way that rescues is not yet work, any. <laughs> that, that's true. Well, it, it, the way that rescues is going to work is we're only going to talk about um, stuff that we like. That doesn't mean we mm. won't have criticism. But since Fresh and I are doing this uh, partly for pleasure, for fun, to keep up with each other uh, despite living on opposite coast, we we want to uh, kind of focus on stuff that actually makes us really happy because. I don't have a lot of time to do that otherwise. So we'll be talking about stuff that we're really passionate about. Some of that will be games that don't make it to besties. Uh, some of that will be revisiting 
stuff that we do talk about on Besties that we just don't have time for um, or time to revisit, you know, a few weeks later. Um, is there any, like, what, what is like a thing that you just are aching to bring to, to our new little show? You know, I've been, well, I don't know when we're going to fit it in because it can be, you know, it's such a busy holiday season, but I've been playing the Alan Wake remastered edition. And I think maybe we should just talk about it here. That sounds great. Let's start with that. We talked, I should, I should just admit right now, we talked about doing Alan Wake before that. I know I made it seem, y'all listening at home, I made it seem like we just, on the spur of the moment, I was like, hey, let's just talk about Alan Wake. I knew. I knew that's what we were going to talk about. And that's what we're going to talk about here. I'm just giving you a peek behind the curtain. So Alan Wake is uh, not the latest game. It's a remake of an older game from Remedy. And y'all might know them from making uh, Max Payne is the original one. Yeah, if you're an old person, you know them from uh, making Max Payne, definitely. Uh, Fun fact, the face of Max Payne in the video game is the face of uh, studio director, I believe, or narrative director, Sam Lake. Um, And then uh, they they made uh, this game, Alan Wake, for the Xbox 360 era games. It felt like it was going to be this big franchise for Xbox there was a kind of a sequel, kind of, uh, but it never fully took off. Then they made a Quantum of Solace. Quantum Break. Quantum Break. And then they made Control. And they made Control after kind of going different directions for Microsoft. So they made all this stuff with Microsoft, well, Rockstar, and I guess, and then Microsoft. And then, uh, and then they split, kind of did their own thing, and made... I would say, like, inarguably their best game, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think th- I think that's fair in Control, yeah. Control is a fabulous game. We've talked about it on Besties before. Um, but I think Alan Wake was the moment... Uh, Max Payne was kind of their breakout game, but I think Alan Wake was the moment where they got fr- full creative control to, like, do something very, very weird and wild. And it definitely shows it is a weird, wild game, and one that I think we're going to be seeing more of because I think they're setting up for a sequel these days, but maybe we're getting ahead of ourselves. <laughs> yeah, it really feels like that. So for folks who don't know the the Alan Wake game, the best thing I can describe is like the most loving ode to Stephen King that you could make in the form of a third-person shooter video game. Yeah, I would say Stephen King mixed with Twin Peaks. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. So the premise is that you are a writer who is kind of a Stephen King alike, you're extremely successful, and you are going and visiting a cabin in the woods in this small uh, rural, I would assume Pacific Northwest town. Yep. Right? Yeah, Uh, it's Seattle. um, Near Seattle, I should say, not Seattle. But immediately, you have a dream, because this game, bold move, Opens with a dream sequence. Somebody actually, not even a dream sequence, someone recounting their dream sequence, which you play, mm-hmm. and a poem that one of the characters recites of his own work. So, not somebody like quoting, you know, like famous poetry. It's the game quoting its own fictional poetry, which yep. is profoundly brave. Um, but anyway, in this, in this dream sequence, you, Alan Wake, are, uh, attacked by a shadowy figure made of effectively darkness, like oily, sludgy, cloudy darkness. And he was a character in one of your stories. And he's like, I mean, it's very on the nose, like, 
You can't do this to me, Alan. You get to kill me whenever you'd like. Now I get to kill you, Alan. And it's like, who are you? And it's like, one of your characters, Alan. Like, come on, work through it. Um, it, it the, whole, the whole game is kind of on the nose like this. I think the writing of these games has come a long way. But credit to Remedy and the team who, who made this. I'm not saying that the writing in video games was a whole lot better at the time that this came out. Like, full context, this was kind of, I think, cutting edge for big budget games at the time. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, it's it's funny. I, I wouldn't say that it's naturalistic writing by any stretch of the imagination, but Alan Wake exists in a world. He, he is a pulp novel writer, right? And the writing of the game is also that same very over the top, very goofy, even the like the voice acting, everything is like this hammy, not naturalistic style. <laughs> because that is like what remedy is a lot of traditionally at its core has always been that if you look at max Payne, same thing very pulpy very over the top never naturalistic control started feeling a little more naturalistic and then played with that by making it even more out there and wild so it is very much in the dna of this company and specifically sam lake who i think crafts a lot of these narratives himself to kind of create these like very over the top worlds and yeah. uh, and dialogue. I don't think it's meant to be uh, good in the traditional sense. I do find it engaging, but it's like very yeah. wild. It's soapy, even I would say. Yeah. So so this is a remake or remaster. I I guess it's a remaster mostly. Anyway, the point is. You can play it on PC in 4K. They touched up the character models so they don't look... I mean, they still kind of look like... They man, look a little like goofy. I, wouldn't, I think a lot of people might come at this thinking like, oh, I'm going to get like a Final Fantasy VII remake level of total revamp. It is absolutely not that. It still looks... It looks like... Um, it kind of looks like a PS4 game, but like... Uh, which is to say like the lighting is better... The character models are a little bit better, but it still has, like, a not totally modern-looking feel. There's a lot of, like, blockiness in the environments, stuff like yeah. that. But I, but again, I like the thing that, you know, I love Alan Wake as a, as a franchise. I actually find it super, super compelling. Um, and I think that still carries through regardless of whether it's the most eye-popping game ever. Um, just, like, things that jump to my mind... I think, you know, we've talked about like the hamminess of it. I think the characterization throughout is like really strong. You meet a lot of like goofy um, neighbors that live in the town that, you know, you, you're introduced to them in a diner and then slowly but surely the, those characters reappear throughout the story and you develop this like real affinity for everyone that lives in town, which again is kind of hard to do in a video game. It's very rare that there are characters that like, side characters specifically that really jump out. But I also think like, even though the the story doesn't make a whole heck of a lot of sense, I'm still like kind of invested. I, you know, is this real? Is this a dream? Is he creating everything by typing about it? Or is it, uh, you know, just like a, a fever dream? I, I like genuinely am like invested and want to know where this is going to go. And for those who have played Alan Wake originally, this game ends on, like, one of the most wild cliffhangers I've ever seen in a video game. Like, totally 
bizarre and like leaves you hanging. And the fact that the game came out, what is it, 15 years ago now? Like people have been hanging for quite a while. Yeah. Well, so the other thing that this game did well with in terms of cliffhangers when it came out was it had these episodic one. It, it's it it plays out like an episodic TV show, like like Twin Peaks, with like yeah. very purposeful little cliffhangers every I don't know, like forty minutes or whatever. And when you played the game, it had recaps, like television style recaps, which at the time, I mean, even still now, is like a pretty original idea and super helpful for, um, I don't know, folks who don't have as much time to play video games <laughs> where you can come back and get caught up on the story. I think that's part of what makes it. Um, I think that's part of why people love that story so much because it met people on their own level in terms of like allowing you to connect into it. The other thing that I, I really like about this game is the combat. Um, yeah. So the way it works is you have a flashlight in one hand and uh, your gun in the other. And when these like shadowy creatures attack you, you have to first remove the darkness from them by like shining the flashlight on them. And then you can like pepper them with bullets to, you know, obliterate them. Um, it's, again, pretty simple now. But at the time where every game, uh, like the most interesting thing about a third-person shooter was like how it handled reloads, this felt really neat. And it still feels really good. Like yeah. it's just one of those things that on a, on a, you know, if you stripped away everything and it was just the mechanic, it would feel great. Which honestly makes sense because, again, the, their pedigree is in Max Payne. You know, they started with Max Payne and kind of defining how like good action games felt. And I think they carried over a lot of that information to this game. And then later in um, in Control, like you see a lot of DNA, Alan Wake DNA in Control itself. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, speaking of Control, that's why you should, you, if you like Control, you should probably play the remaster of Alan Wake if you haven't. Because like Fresh said, it's hinting at a sequel. But more importantly, uh, all of these games, uh, Quantum Break... Quantum Break, yeah. Thank you. Control and Alan Wake seem to be in the same universe. And Alan Wake and Control especially seem to have a pretty real connection. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know about Quantum Break specifically. I know they've made references to Quantum Break a little bit, but I think it's kind of their maligned entry that didn't get a lot of love. But I definitely know that Alan Wake and Control exist in the same universe because there was an Alan Wake-centric DLC in Control with, like recurring characters and again kind of a setup for a sequel in that there's also um if you're really like into the alan wake lore scattered throughout this remastered there are these qr codes that you can find and if you scan them it'll link to these unlisted youtube videos that i'm i'm not 100 percent sure but i think these are like new alan wake cutscenes that were filmed with the actor who played at who was alan wake talking about things we haven't seen him talk about before. So there's like new content that may or may not lead into what will be this sequel. I, I think it's going to happen. That is my guess. But again, who knows that they've been promising it for many, many years. So the other thing is Epic and Remedy have a partnership and Epic has lots and lots and lots of money. Uh, and money, so much money, I don't even think it needs to worry about things being like a big success. So if yeah. they wanted to make another Alan Wake game with Remedy, that seems like like a kind of like 
open shut deal for for both parties. Which... Yeah, I think I, I would not be surprised if that's how they can make the numbers work. If it's just like, hey, this is like a good reputation thing for Epic putting this like beloved but kind of like dark horse franchise back on the map. So I I am optimistic, but again, who knows? Uh, do you, do you, do you recommend you you do you recommend people play this game? Um, I th- I actually think for people that are like that don't play a lot of action games but like narrative games, this fits in a pretty interesting space in between them. I'd recommend you play on easy if you don't play a lot of action games because it can get a little hairy. But there's so much narrative here, and you can kind of like and the action sequences are like fun but not that complicated. You're not like juggling a ton of different things. Uh, so I kind of do recommend it for a lot of people. I think it's for people that like, uh, Twin Peaks, for people that like, as you said, Stephen King stories, uh, hammy, over the top, kind of soapy, but also like weirdly mysterious, uh, lore stuff, X-Files. Um, I, I, you know, I, I actually think it's, it's one of the games that a lot of people should play. So I definitely recommend it. Yeah. I'd say if you have Game Pass, I don't know if this is on it, but I think the original version, not the remaster is there. That's not a bad option. Like, I, would, yeah, I, would, I, don't, I don't love the remaster so much that I'm like, you gotta drop more money and give this one a try. Um, this is not the Shadow of the Colossus style remaster. Also, like Fresh, uh, like you mentioned, the geometry is still funky. So it has this weird thing where you do like 4K, you know, high resolution textures on a, a pretty old game's geometry, which is very blocky. And it looks weird. Like it, it actually makes the like the funkiness of, you know, the shape of the ground and the cliff sides and everything more noticeable. Um, I find when you layer on like beautiful high resolution textures over it. It's yeah, weird. I almost, I almost wonder whether it would have been better if they just, I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I agree with your point about like maybe just playing it on old, old hardware is not the end of the world because it does kind of hide some of that like aged technology stuff aged cool uh so that's more or less alan wake uh i think we're gonna take a quick break and then we'll be back and we've got two more games to discuss we're gonna like hammer you with recommendations so many recommendations we love it okay so you have been playing a game that i've been skeptical about and this isn't fair to anybody that i'm about to mention but it looks like a game by double fine the studio i mean Best known for Psychonauts now, I guess, Psychonauts 1 and 2. I like, I I always admire their games, like Costume Quest or Brutal Legend, but then I play them, and they don't, the the game never clicks with me as much as the art direction. Love how they look. Not always in love with how they play. And this game is not made by Double Fine, but it looks like a Double Fine game. Okay, can I say the name now? Yes, Okay, the the name is The Artful Escape, um, and Plant is right. It does kind of look aesthetically like a Double Fine game, and we've talked about um, a lot about Psychonauts this year and Double Fine games in the past, and as I've mentioned previously, Plant's right. Like, I don't always love the, quote, feel of playing through Double Fine games. I think narratively and the aesthetics of their games are stellar, but the feel is, like, always a little bit iffy You like uh, the jokes. For me. But they're like, I ate some cheese, and now I got poopies. Yes, that is, that is there is kind of like there tend to be quite thing. a bit of fart jokes in uh, Double Fine stuff. 
so yes, this is not a double fine game. Uh, this is made by Beethoven and Dinosaur. That's the name of the studio published by Annapurna. And, um, even though the aesthetics kind of scream double fine, I think this game goes in a different direction than a lot of game, uh, a lot of their games go. This feels more like a linear narrative first adventure um, than it's, uh, I don't know, a traditional game, I guess. The premise is this. You play as this guy, Francis Vendetti. Um, he is basically a early 20s musician living in the Pacific Northwest, and mm. he has a bit of a problem. His uncle is a world-famous folk singer. He is also a musician, but even though he's trying to like make it as a folk singer as well, that is not where his passion lies. His passion lies in, I guess it would be called, I guess it's like a heavy metal, prog rock, like shredding guitar style. Like that's his preference for music. And uh, Francis sort of goes about his life. He lives in this town. Everyone knows his uncle. He's sort of like begrudged and down about it. And uh, that's all fine until he meets this strange woman who invites him to go to this bar that he's never been to before. And the game very quickly becomes an interstellar adventure where this, you know, nobody rocker is slowly like traveling through the galaxy trying to like find his musical taste. Um, it is a bizarre mashup of like 16 different genres from an interaction standpoint. If people have played uh, a night in the woods, like it feels like a night in the woods. It actually borrows a lot of the interaction and interface stuff from a night in the woods. Uh, when you talk to people, there's just like little dialogue boxes next to them. It's just like 2d side scrolling. But I think, in terms of the actual interactions of the game, it's more like a movie. You are like playing through this experience, talking to people and always kind of pushing forward to see like new worlds and new uh, performance venues to sort of grow as an artist as, you know, this guy, Francis. Wait, so how do you play? Do you, ju you just talk with people? Yeah, you it's you run, you know, it's like a side scrolling platformer. You basically can just run left and right and jump over things. And then there are moments where you can um, play your guitar. There are like, and and there are buttons assigned on your controller to like control different notes in the guitar. It's not like a challenging game. It's more like a, it feels like a game. I don't want to like call it an experience because it's really not that. It feels like a narrative game, but it's not challenging in the way that like Limbo or something like that is challenging. There aren't puzzles. It's more about like moving through this world, talking to people and just kind of experiencing it, letting yeah. it wash over you. It kind of reminded me of Journey, if people have played Journey, because um, there's not really failing. It's just a matter of like kind of absorbing everything that's like around you. Happy Kentucky Route Zero. Oh yeah, definitely not as depressing as Kentucky Route Zero or um, or Night of the Woods for that matter. Again, definitely an inspiration, but I think tonally they are very, very different. This story is about, you know, kind of a personal like artist's growth while also trying to overcome a lot of the burdens that like family uh, talent can kind of lay on you. Yeah. It is, it's, I, I was... It's very rare for narrative games to grab me very quickly because the writing tends to be bad in video games. Sorry, video games, but your writing tends to be bad. 
within, I would say, 10 minutes of me playing this game, I was already invested. And a lot of that is just like presentation, fantastic writing, really great voice acting. They hired like actual um, known people to do the voice acting. Uh, Lena Headley does a voice, Carl Weathers, Jason Schwartzman, Mark Strong. So there are like known actors not to diminish voice actors because they also dedicated voice actors because they also do amazing work. And there are some in this game as well, but those are some of the names that people might actually know. And it kind of gives it this air of, of really like, it feels like a Hollywood production um, and kind of a big budget effort. Whereas you don't normally see that in narrative first games. And I know that's something that Annapurna is trying to bring to their, bring to the world through their publishing arm. Yeah, this also sounds like the better scenario than, was it 12 Minutes? Is that the name of the game? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, right. so, which was also so, published by Annapurna and also is like a story-heavy game with like Willem Dafoe in it. Yeah, very similar. The difference is that there this game, A, doesn't rely on like torture porn to yeah. uh, move its story yeah. along, and B, doesn't rely on the most horrifying twist imaginable to move its story along. This is far more family friendly. I would recommend this to like seven and eight year olds. Like it, it is like right up that alley. It's it's kind of got like a Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy vibe. Yeah, I, don't, I find it like enormously charming and and kind of I'm always struggling to find games that are like short, but also leave an impact. And this game is like five, six hours long and really is very memorable and, and just like gorgeous and chill. I I it's terrific. It's also on Game Pass. So if you happen to be subscribed to Game Pass, there you go. Very easy. So if this is a colorful and like nice narrative game in contrast to a world of, you know, dark and dour narrative games, I'm bringing the grim, dark RPG to the world of happy, colorful RPGs. This is—I mean, really there are true. a lot of grim, dark RPGs. Uh, yeah, and also like this one's not really that dark. It, <laughs> I'm, I'm bringing Tales of Arise, uh, and I've been wanting to get into the series for a while. Okay, that's not true. I've been—I've been curious about the Tales games for a long time. I know like nothing about them. I, I've heard people say, "Oh, Tales—that's a franchise." That's literally all I know. I always feel like Tales games are where it's like, you know, mainstream people are like, yeah, I, I like Final Fantasy. And then people who are like a little bit cooler are like, yeah, I like I like Dragon Quest. Mm. And then people who are like really cool are like, oh, I only play the Tales games. <laughs> and then everybody else is like, oh, wow, like that must be great. And then like somebody like me pops up and like, yeah, I actually stopped playing RPGs after Lunar on my Sega Saturns. So. Mm, yeah. Um. Anyway, Tales of Arise. It is a colorful semi-action RPG. Okay, so it's not turn-based. I'll say that up top. And more importantly, what's the story? You ask because it's an RPG. Uh, thank you. Is it stupid? Is it stupid? I. Mm, okay, so I don't think it's stupid. I think you have to you have to be ready to ride the wave, or else you are going to wipe out, my friend. Uh, here's here's the premise. There is oh no, you're going to think it's stupid. Yeah, there's a world of have and have nots, right? And okay. this one group of people, they are the have nots, and they're effectively being used as slave labor on a planet. Um, where it's revealed quite early that not only are they being used for 
like to make things or to do manual labor, but also they literally are stealing the energy out of their bodies for a competition. I, I believe this is right. Stealing the the poor people energy. Yes, they're stealing their the the energy out of their bodies while they do this work. And then sure. there are, are like five overlords of the Habs group of the, this like these you know the the wealthy right sure and the, those five leaders they're in a competition with each other to I, I believe see who can steal the most energy I I know what you're thinking and I know what the listeners are thinking Chris this sounds bad yeah. and maybe. But, it kind of sounds like Hunger Games a little bit. Kind of. Yeah. Okay. Now that sounds better. That sounds nicer. Um, but what's like good with it and what's good about like so many RPGs. I mean, if you tried to explain the top level story of like most Final Fantasies, come on. It wouldn't sound a whole lot better. Sure. The the moment to moment stuff is very enjoyable. You, you first play as uh, this dude who uh, wears an iron mask over his face. Uh, and uh, you do not see his face. They make many jokes about how he does or does not eat food, um, and he does not feel pain. So he is like this kind of like typical hero, uh, you know, getting in the way of like a, a wampin to protect a little kid. And he's like, doesn't bother me. Sure, I'm like bleeding to death, but I don't feel it. So is it really that bad? And everybody's like, yeah, actually, you're bleeding to death. Stop doing that. <laughs> that's bad um and he's like okay um and he's he's like his own little treat he's he's you know you'll be surprised here he doesn't remember much about his past oh gosh uh-huh and then was he a rich person before oh i don't know but but he does have magic powers and it seems like the only people who have magic powers are the rich people so yeah you, you know read between the lines um then there is a uh, uh, oh, <laughs> okay. You're gonna there's a, there's there's a, a nice young woman who joins your party. She uh, is a rich. She's she's from the Habs, from the rich people mm. party, right? Um, but she's against them. She's she's on the lamb from them. So okay. you have a you know a very tenuous partnership going between the two of you. Her when anybody touches her, it electrocutes them. Oh, no. Which would be a problem unless you didn't feel pain. You see? Oh. You see? They're a match made in they're heaven. They're kind of like a match made in, in JRPG heaven. And again, you might say, like, this doesn't sound good. But it is. Moment to moment, it's good. And this is a thing that I am just like, I'm really falling in love with anime. I'm really embracing this new inner weave of mine that has, like, been born from the 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 seed of near automata everything's just so sincere the music is incredible the opening theme is just a banger uh, an- anime anthem but then the the actual score the world music is great it's just can we can we go back for a second and talk about i understand that the guy can't feel pain mm-hmm. and i understand that she electrocutes people when touched yeah but you realize that even if you can't feel pain, constantly being electrocuted is still a problem. No, I think it's more like, oh, for once, like somebody was able to like, you know, just like hold her shoulder and be like, I care about you. So it's not like they're like always like, you know, like, oh, hey, like, let's, let's like dance 
for kids. Sure. You know, let's just do like some swing dancing while I, like, yeah, no, you I know, understand. incinerate my insides. Yeah. Um, no, they're not doing that. They're like, you know, taking down the man. Okay. Um, so as far as I can tell, my job now is to, you know, go across the world destroying these five bad dudes or people or I don't know what they are, monsters. Um, the first one is a kind of a fire world. I believe the second one is an ice world. Oh, my God. Uh-huh. <laughs> I don't know why I'm really struggling to talk about why this game is so good. It well, just, what is it, it? Is it the combat or is okay. it just like oh, that's, a, that's a good point. So visually, it looks great. It like I, we we talked about Scarlet Nexus earlier this year. It yeah. is from the same publisher, and I believe like part of the developer. It feels like a more polished version over a lot of things they do in that game. One of the things that I love in terms of the storytelling is you have the usual like mandatory cutscenes, right? And you have the option to talk with people in the city, but then you can also uh, while you're just like walking around with your partner hit a button and it triggers a motion comic with them where it kind of just catches up on what's going on between the two of them. So they'll just have like a little conversation or a little argument or, you know, share some personal history. Yeah. And these are scattered throughout the game. They're totally optional. Uh, There are some people who would be like, hey, I prefer that in the Final Fantasy games where they just, you know, like kind of chat while you're walking along. But I, I, I like that, like, I stop, catch a break, I get story. If I don't want story, I don't need story, you know? Like, they're not doing that thing where they artificially make me walk for 15 minutes. Sure. So they know that they can get that dialogue in. The slow walk mission. Yeah. yeah. Yes, I, I, I despise it. The other thing that's really, really great, and this is why I actually think I am coming back to it, I love the combat. And I do not love combat in most RPGs. Um, ironically, I, I liked the combat in Scarlet Nexus. I think this is even better. The way it works is you kind of spam an attack button to just do very minimal attacks. That builds up a power gauge, but then you get effectively spells or magic moves that you can assign to the face buttons. And then you can combo those. Um, so you could like do one spell that pounds somebody into the ground and throws them up into the air. And then you can do a few hits in the air with a normal attack. And then you do another move that throws them across the map. And then one final move that like slams them to the ground. Um, and then on top of that, you have these like specials for every character. And there's like a special that, um, your partner, she pulls out a gun from, I don't know, like another dimension and it knocks down every enemy that it's shooting at with its massive beam and brings them all to the ground. So if you're going up against, you know, like flying creatures, it brings everything to the ground and then you can like pulverize them with, uh, you know, the man in the iron mask. Hmm. I understand this all sounds simple and maybe like something that you played done in other games, but I can't remember it working this well where it feels like I am playing anime combat sequences. Like I feel... Yeah immensely powerful within the first hour and a half and they there aren't random enemy encounters you actually have to kind of run into them and then it transports you to like a good fighting That's space. my preferred yeah and you can dodge most of them if you want but i've actually find myself like running into encounters just because i really enjoy the combat um, and I want to, like, test out how i could t- use like the different abilities against different enemy types so 
I don't know. Maybe I'm discovering that I just really love this genre that I don't have time for, or maybe the combat is really just that good, or maybe the story is just that good, you know? Like, people probably heard that story and they were like, whoa, 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 Tolstoy. <laughs> like, calm us down. Um, yeah, it does sound like the sort of game that I might never, ever play. But yeah. I do understand that there are many of those games, and a lot of people really, really like them. So... I'm happy for you. Thank you. That's all I But really I don't want. think I'll ever play this game. No, that's, I understand. <laughs> I respect it. It's also like, it's one of the short ones. I guess all the the Tales games are like notoriously long. Yeah. And I think this one's like only like 50 or 60 hours. Oh, cool. Great. Cool. Yeah, cool, yeah, yeah. Cool, cool. Yeah. yeah. So it's okay if you skip it. It but. is actually quite freeing to know the games that I'll just never play. Like I was watching people playing, uh, what is it called? New World, the MMO oh, yeah. that Amazon just dropped. And uh, I, I was watching it. I was like, wow, I'm never going to play this game ever, ever. And uh, that's, that is freeing that like, think of all the time I'm going to save by not playing these games. Feels nice. It's a game I, I, I can't wait for people to tell me about. Eve Online, yes. same thing. Tell me all about it. I'll read a book Love on it. it. Love I've it. Definitely read more about Eve Online than I've played of any MMO ever, which is zero hours. So that's what we've been playing. We've been playing a lot of video games. What do you want to share with our listeners who who have joined us on this wonderful, you know, inaugural journey? Um, this is the part of the show where we're going to be sharing our one recommendation of the week, which is funny because this week we've recommended a lot of good video games. But this could be anything um, because, hey, you know what? It's our show. We have the space. We don't have to talk about just games. We know why you're here. You're here for those Criterion Channel recommendations, and you know I've got them. Um, but let's start with you. Is there anything that you that you recommend people check out? Uh, yes, I have been watching a show called The Other Two. Oh, it yeah. is on HBO Max. I think it's also on Comedy Central if you just have cable. But if you have HBO Max, that is the easiest way to watch it. It is in season two now. It is um, a very funny comedy. Uh, it is about the siblings of a TikTok star, more or less. That's effectively the how it's boiled down. And his siblings are like in their 30s and miserable and not really having a successful career. And they're sort of in the shadow of their brother, who is 15 and this huge mega sensation. Uh, it is one of the strongest comedy pilots I've seen in many, many years. Uh, it's rare that like a comedy grabs me in the way that this does. It reminds me tonally of if you've ever watched um, Happy Endings or Don't Trust the Bee in Apartment 23. Uh, definitely that same kind of sense of humor. Uh, so yeah, highly recommend it. It's called The Other Two. I have another thing on HBO Max. Uh, mm. I'm going to recommend a little movie called The Return of the Living Dead with a lot of caveats. It is a zombie movie as you probably guessed, uh, set in the 80s. And it is the most 80s zombie movie you can imagine. Was it uh, filmed in the 80s? I Yeah, I believe. It was directed by Dan O'Bannon, who is the guy who, he's like a notorious, like, uh, he was a lot. I get a sense that he was just a lot to have to deal with. Um, he was uh, a co-writer, writer of Alien, the original Alien. Oh. Uh, then he also made Life Force, which I don't know if you're a fan of other obscure horror movies, but no. that movie is also <laughs> a trip that uh, comes with some caveats. Anyway, this movie, I watched it on an airplane, which was bad. Um, 
It's really, really, really gory. Uh, the, one of the first sequences you see is like a, just a body decompose rapidly. Cool. And it's extremely gross. And it just goes from there. There's also a lot of like pretty not great nudity. Dan okay. O'Bannon, I kind of get the sense from some of his other movies that this is kind of a thing for him. So this is the recommendation segment, Chris Plant. So no, I get it. I get it. So like I'm I'm, I'm just giving those cautions up top because I think like that's kind of recommending any movie from the eighties. I feel yeah. like it's really hard to recommend movies from the eighties and not being like, so a few things about this, please don't judge me. So that's out of the way. That said, as a zombie movie, as a eighties nostalgia movie, uh, as somebody who just likes really trashy music over gory special effects when it's the halloween season this movie is so good it is so ridiculous um i don't want to spoil it for people other than to say it is uh it's not a zombie movie where shooting the zombies in the head actually kills them okay um so you get to see like a lot of things moving around that otherwise should not be moving around in uh, in normal yeah. zombie movies, which sounds more sexual than I intended. That's yeah, not I was gonna case. say. <laughs> no, no, no. It's like a like a dead butterfly is like flapping around. Stuff oh like that. no! Um, or like vivisected creatures. Oh. Um, yeah, it is just absolutely uh, cornball matinee movie goofiness. Um, so if you are looking for that sort of movie that is not particularly scary, I, I would say like not scary at all, um, but is 80s gory fun, it, it's so, so good. Um, uh, if you are the type of person who enjoyed Malignant, um, you would probably enjoy this, which I think is a very specific type of person. Stephen King. Yeah, not, not me. I'm, I'm too scared, but... Other people. Horror movies are the JRPGs of cinema for you. I, I read the Wikipedia entries for horror no, movies yeah, and learn the plot that. that way. That's how I learned about uh, Wicker Man. Is that a horror movie? Yes, it is. There's two of them. Okay. I learned about all the things that happened there just reading the Wikipedia entry. I read about that movie where the blind the guy is blind and they try to rob his house. Read that whole thing. Oh, yeah. It's the best way to experience a horror movie. Other than watching it, yeah, I'd have to. Other than it. watching it, <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, thank you, Plant. That that is a good wreck. Thank you. I think that's our show. I think, I think we, it is. I think we did it. I think we did but, our first episode. But we want people to do something before we end it. Oh yeah, do you want to tell them what to do? Yeah. Hey, how's it going, people at home that are still listening? Um, if you dug this or you have any um, feedback, you can reach out to us on the Besties Pod on Twitter. If you really, really enjoyed it and you'd like to see more of this, it sure be great if you left a review on, I guess you can only review the besties as a, because this is on the same feed. So leave a review on the besties on uh, Apple Podcasts, but hey, mention the resties if you dug it uh, in the review, that'd be great. Uh, If you have constructive feedback, maybe leave that out of the review and just tell us on Twitter because otherwise that'd be bad. (laughs) Uh, I don't know if I'm legally allowed to say that from an Apple point of view, but broadly speaking, yeah, don't don't leave constructive feedback in the reviews section because that penalizes uh, everybody. But I would say, tell us and we will make the show all the better. Um, I think that's basically it. 
I think that's good. So we'll be back in two weeks for this show. We'll be every Friday for Besties. For the next Resties, uh, for people who are listening It's too to early. This, We're not going to tell. No, 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 no. 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 no I, I want to I tell people to, to play something so that we can talk about it. I really want to talk about um, some stuff for the, the, the Outer Wilds DLC, Echoes of the Eye. Oh, yeah. So if you are, are interested in that, give that uh, a try now. I would say if you're just in, interested in it, whether or not you're listening to the show, you should try it now because uh, there is a great reveal in the first hour of that game. And I would hate for you to have it spoiled for yourself. So check that out. And we'll talk about that and some other stuff in two weeks. But before we do that, can you just recap all the games we talked about? Oh, yeah. I will uh, try to do that. Let's see. We talked about uh, Alan Wake Remastered. And while doing that, we also talked about Quantum Break, Max Payne, and Control. Control. And then uh, when we talked about the games that we recommend, you talked about The Artful Escape, and I talked about Tales of Arise. And then you recommended people watch The the Other Two, which is Mm -hmm. a delightful comedy by Chris Kelly, either former or current showrunner of SNL. And I recommended The Return of the Living Dead, a problematic, but, you know, just seasonal delight. The pumpkin spice lattes of trashy's 80s uh, horror movies. <laughs> cool. Well, let's wrap it then. Cool. Well, thank you all for listening. Thank you, Fresh, for doing uh, the resties with us. Until next time. With us. Who's the other person? Uh, until next time (laughs) until next time this has been the resties a video game podcast about the finer things in life